Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is your team participating at Euro 2020 still? Well, we begin the countdown to the final on Sunday with our final Euro rewinds. Of course, the first semi-final today. Italy versus Spain. Fear not, we're not resting on the rest days that have just gone. We're going to still look back at tournaments gone by today. It is the turn of 2008, i.e. the one that England didn't qualify for. If you hear any ambience, it's my son because he's off nursery with chicken pox. Say hello. And that means I am Jake from What If Football. We are here every Euro daily up until Monday now. We're nearly at the, uh, we're on the back nine of the tournament. We are on Apple, Acast, Spotify and Amazon on the podcast feed where you can, if you're feeling so generous, please like, subscribe, five star review if you are feeling extra generous. And um, we're on Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash what if football where after the tournament we will have seven days a week content after the championships, podcasts, football manager content, video game content, etc, etc, etc. Now let's get stuck in to today's show. Our special guest may chime in with such opinions, whether or not he likes the tiki-taka style of play or whether or not Turkey are dark horses, but we'll go back to qualification now. So Austria and Switzerland were hosting. The qualification was revamped. The playoffs were gone on in its place. All of the groups, but one featured seven teams with the other group featuring eight teams, which meant for an overcrowded fixture list, quite silly in retrospect, really. Holders, Greece had the best record in qualification, sauntering through with a mammoth 31 points or five points dropped. Czech Republic and Germany sailed through in Group D, Spain and Sweden, likewise in Group F. Meanwhile, as we all know, the highlight of the qualification was England versus Croatia. Final day, England needed just a point to qualify against already qualified Croatia. My point was why didn't Croatia just let us get the point and qualify? <laughs> also, of course, this is not how sport works. England with a, a ragtag group 
lost 3-2 to Croatia going down 2-0, summoning David Beckham from the bench who had been ostracised by Steve McLaren for one reason or another after the 2006 World Cup. And of course we all remember the Wally with a Brolly memes as they were at the time, the memories that came out of that game McLaren was sacked afterwards promptly. Adding came the reign of Fabio Capello ahead of what was supposed to be a successful 2010 World Cup in South Africa. More on that if we do daily podcasts sometime next November. <laughs> so, England were out of qualification. In their place, of course, were Russia. Russia, who didn't sneak in the back door, really. They beat England in Moscow quite handedly in the end. Turkey qualified ahead of Norway. Poland and Portugal qualified ahead of Serbia. And Finland, which was Finland's probably their closest attempt at qualification since 2020, of course. There, They were under the management of future England manager Roy Hodgson at the time. Despite beating France home and away, Scotland failed in third behind Italy and France, two World Cup finalists, let not, let's not forget. Romania and the Netherlands sauntered into the tournament and the 16 were there. The tournament started in quite inauspicious circumstances, really. Czech Republic winning 2-1 in Basel against Switzerland. It's a game that I can't for the life of me even remember, but I would have watched a Friday night in a European Championships, really. The match I remember was Portugal versus Turkey. Pepe scoring one of the great goals of the group stage. It's a nice little give and go in the centre half that um, would burst onto the scene with Real Madrid in more ways than one. He uh, provided a great goal to start things off. And of course, Cristiano Ronaldo, fresh off winning the Champions League with Manchester United, would win the Ballon d'Or later that year. And he would score in his second European Championships that was in a match against Czech Republic, which confirmed top spot before, even before the Switzerland versus Turkey game would kick off. And Switzerland, one of the hosts, they were left heartbroken with a last-minute goal from Ada Turan. 2-1 were the victors there, Turkey. And it's probably a game that I could remember more, not for the football, but for the difficult conditions, of course, this this tournament being played over the Alps, we wouldn't be uh, we wouldn't be saying that for the last time during this tournament. Of course, get to a semi final, where we'll be uh, discussing that. And the one of the goals I seem to remember it was a a Pep Guardiola Manchester City style sort of move pass across the six yard box, and the ball stopped absolutely dead because there was that much water on the surface, and it was a simple tapping. And um, yeah, that was exciting for a time. Obviously, it should have been stopped because it's quite dangerous, really. And uh, Going into the final group game, it meant that Switzerland's 2-0 win over heavily rotated Portugal was worthless. Portugal couldn't finish second. Switzerland could not even qualify because of head-to-head. Hakan Yakin scored twice. And um, the story really, though, was from Geneva, where Turkey and Czech Republic met to see who would finish second. Czech Republic, of course, the Dark Horses from 2004, meeting of course, as we know now, the Dark Horses of 2008. And before the game, they could have been a penalty shootout, a group stage penalty shootout if there was a draw because in head-to-head terms, this was um, this was as close as it gets really and the, with the teams playing each other in the same pitch, I think a penalty shootout in terms of a group stage isn't too bad of an idea in, in theory at least. Obviously, of course, if the two teams are playing and in the same stadium, obviously a penalty shootout wouldn't make any sense if they're in separate games. But we wouldn't need that, would we, unfortunately, although that would be quite the novelty for 2008 in what was already quite a great tournament. 
Yank Collar, Yaroslav Plasil put Czech Republic into a 2-0 lead by the hour mark against fairly the run of play really. And that meant Turkey needed three goals to qualify. 15 minutes remained. Arda Turan was at it once again, striking from distance. Then Nihat added an equaliser. And what an equaliser it was in off the bar. And for a couple of minutes there, we were destined for a group stage penalty shootout. But then, of course, Petacek's howler. Nihat got a second, Turkey's third. They had snuck in. They would play the winner of Group B. Group B was contested by co-host Austria, Poland, Croatia and the mighty Germany. And we all fought, yeah. Turkey versus Germany. Write it in your wall chat, but... After the wins of Croatia in Vienna over co-hosts Austria and Germany, in uh, thanks to a Lukas Podolski double over Poland, the winner of the group would be settled in Klagenfurt in Austria. First Dario Serna and then Avicja Olic got the goals as Croatia stunned Germany. Germany, who had made the World Cup semi-final in 2006. Meanwhile, Croatia were victims of that, that bizarre game in the group stages against Australia where... Uh, where Graham Paul yellow-carded uh, Josip Simeonich three times as they bowed out in the group stages. Meanwhile, Austria and Poland shared a point in an, another absolutely sodden game in Vienna, a penalty saving the point for Austria there, which meant that Austria's hopes were still alive. Uh, mildly interesting day anyway. Um, Croatia, like Portugal, had secured top with a game to spare, which maybe is a downside to head-to-head, but in the essence of it really I don't think it's I think head to head is a better way of settling things and goal difference because you could rack up a say let's say Croatia beat Poland 6-0 they'd effectively win the group by not even having to um, they could lose to Germany for example and clearly the better team there between the two would have been Germany so that's my two pence on that anyway Poland or Austria could qualify ahead of Germany with a win, but Poland would fall to Ivan Klasnic and Croatia ensured that they were top with 100% of the points and that meant, of course, a semi-final with Turkey. More on that one later. It left Austria's match in Vienna against one of the pre-tournament favourites in Germany. As, as a, a shock could play out and Austria could qualify ahead of Germany, of course, Michael Ballack put pay to that, a goal from out of the ordinary. I think it clocked in at 75 miles an hour. And uh, Ballack had saved Germany's skin in 2002, um, getting to the World Cup final on plenty of occasions. And um, he saved their skin here, although a point would have been fine. Um, it was a match where both managers were sent off. Um, Austrian press called the match, called the win for Germany, a triumph of ugly football. Whilst... Um, not venturing out to say that Austria hadn't played the best football either. The format meant there could be a reunion in the semi-final between Croatia and Germany because for some reason or another, like the 2002 World Cup, where it was split again in two venues, two countries rather, the there was a distinct one half of the draw. So, so for example, France in Group C could never meet Germany in Group B until the final, which I don't think is the right way to go about it at all but first before we get into the knockout stage the group of death group c the 2006 world cup finalists reunited in qualification france and italy were reunited again in the main tournament also occupying were netherlands who reached the last 16 in 2006 and the semi-finals in the euros prior and romania who hadn't been at a tournament since 2000 
a tournament which of course they stunned England, England who weren't there at this tournament and uh, they got to the quarterfinals that time. Could they Could they do it? Well, they held their own in Zurich, first keeping a clean sheet against France and then they held Italy to a 1-1 draw in the second match day. Adrian Mutu had the chance to eliminate Italy right there and then with a penalty but the fantastic Gigi Buffon saved the spot kick. So with the third match day still to play, Romania was surprisingly in the driving seat in second place with just two points. That is because Netherlands were just simply on the warpath, weren't they? They performed like no other in this tournament. They scored three goals against the world champions Italy and Bern. And then for me, one of the greatest, one of the greatest European championship performances, a 4-1 win against France, the counter-attacking goal from Wesley Snyder is right up there for me in terms of the great European Championship goals. Definitely one of the best team goals there anyway. Netherlands like Croatia and Portugal were confirmed with a game to spare as group winners and would they allow Romania to chalk up a win with a rotated squad leaving France and Italy both gone? No, they wouldn't. Class Jan Huntelaar and Robin Van Persie scored to make it a 100% record. Yet still... Romania held the advantageous goal difference, surprisingly enough, of course, with the the 2-0 loss comparable to the 4-1 defeat for France, the 3-0 defeat for Italy. So, should France and Italy draw in Zurich, Romania would go through with two points, which would have been kind of a travesty, but again, France and Italy didn't show enough in the group stages, but we wouldn't need that, of course, in this tournament an Andrea Perlo penalty and a Daniele Di Rossi stunning free kick, which hit from 40 yards, deflected a couple of times and found its way in that settled second place for Italy, which meant they would meet the winner of Group D. And Raymond Dominic, who some say might have lost his job after this, um, instead celebrated elimination by proposing to his girlfriend in the post-match interview and he would stay on until the 20, 2010 World Cup, which... I'll leave that up to your imagination and memories to see how that one went. Anyway, we got to Group D and there was only one winner in this group, really. The holders in Greece were there. The incumbent champion, Spain, were there. Also, we had Russia, the dark horses, Sweden, who had been to a couple of quarterfinals in the meantime. Always the bridesmaids, never the brides. Spain had gone out in the last 16 in 2006 to France and the groups in 2004 but here they had Xavi, they had Iniesta, they had Fabregas, Torres, David Villa and David Villa scored a hat-trick against Russia. Torres and Villa combining their second winner to one win over Sweden which confirmed their place as group winners and in essence a quarter-final with Italy prior to the final match. Meanwhile, the holders were Greece and they bowed out without scoring a goal in their first two games. First in a loss to Sweden thanks to an absolutely superb Zlatan Ibrahimovic strike, a half volley and a 2-0 loss there, and then a single Russian goal. Spain confirmed nine points like the Netherlands and like Croatia with a late win against Greece. Meanwhile, the tie of the group which settled everything was Russia, Sweden in Innsbruck, a draw would be enough for Sweden, whilst Russia had to go and get something, and it would come down to their two indomitable players, their two informed players of the time, Andrea Shavin and Roman Pavlyuchenko, both of which scored, settling the group 2-0 win, and they would meet the Netherlands in a tie that most were calling 
a simple walkover for the Dutch because the Dutch had, in the group stages, played the best football, had the toughest group and by far were the most impressive. Spain was slightly behind them, I'll admit, the neutrals favourite. Everyone was uh, logging onto MSN Messenger, putting their Spanish flag in their profile pitch. <laughs> Such was the style at the time. Um, they had the best players, the best system and potentially it was finally their time. They had gone 44 years without winning anything since the 1964 European Championships. Before then, they had to wait another 44 years after the, uh, I think it must have been the Olympics, and the Omens were definitely there. Um, Portugal were another heavy hitter. They had Germany, but they also had Cristiano Ronaldo. Germany had been slightly disappointed against Croatia, so that was probably the most anticipated quarterfinal, alongside, of course, Spain versus Italy. Italy, the world champions, but their defensive play, would that be the perfect antidote defensively, at least to Spain? Also, we had Croatia and Turkey, who were dark horses, who paired up in the quarterfinal would meet a hard semi-final, but in the semi-final, of course, anything can happen. Croatia would fancy their chances if they got through and Germany got through, of course, after the group stages. Meanwhile, Russia were going under the radar because of that heavy loss to Spain, but had rebounded quite well. Of course, the disappointments. Of course, the disappointments were France under Raymond Dominic were a simple disgrace after making the World Cup final in 2006, and Germany were... Nothing like the 2006 team, saved by Michael Ballack in the last game. And after this short break, we'll give you a 2021 trivial teaser and of course we'll review the knockout phase of Euro 2008. Welcome back. We have a 2021 trivial teaser as always and today, of course, the usuals were back. Jake and George, congratulations for the answer and a newcomer Dan, well done. And I suspect Dan got the answer because it was a Leeds player, Dan's a Leeds United fan. It was Matthias Klitsch, of course. Central midfielder who's been managed by Bielsa. One of Bielsa's boys, isn't he? So, today, I am a centre forward. I've been managed by Gerard Houllier and Claude Puel. Some of my teammates have been John Carew, Sylvain Wiltord, Rafa van der Vaart, Kaka and Raoul. I'm a centre forward. I've been managed by Jared Hooley and Claude Puel. Some of my teammates have been John Carew, Sylvain Wiltor, Rafa van der Vaart, Kaka, and Raoul. If you think you know the answer, do what Dan, Jake, and George did and tweet me at whatif underscore YouTube. And tomorrow we will find out the answer together. After this short break, we'll be reviewing the knockout phase of Euro 2008. Welcome back. So the knockout phase, it all began with potentially the biggest quarterfinal of the lot in Basel. Portugal versus Germany, whilst Croatia and Turkey met in Vienna with the two. Split off from the other half of the draw and would play each other in the semi-final. Netherlands and Russia and Spain and Italy made up the other half of the draw. Germany fired out of the blocks in Switzerland. Bastian Schweinsteiger and Miroslav Klose scoring in the first half. Nuno Gomez, that man again, scoring for the third successive European Championships. Evergreen, he got a goal back, but Michael Ballack, of course, was at this stage one of Germany's most important players. Inspirational as ever. He added a third, perhaps the most important German player in the 2000s in tournament football, maybe outside of Miroslav Klose for that one. Helder Postiga would get a consolation, but of course it was another failure for Portugal. Since their qualification for Euro 2000, they had qualified for every tournament, but on the back of hot prospects and now the best player in the world at the time, Cristiano Ronaldo, they had 
failed again the quarterfinal here, the semi-final in 2006, the final in 2004, a group stage exit in 2002, and of course, a semi-final in 2000. And perhaps the most bizarre championship match here of the tournament, or any knockout stage in the Euros, was next. Quite fathomably a... Well, one adjective would be dull 119 minutes between Croatia and Turkey and then it just came alive Ivan Klasnic scored what looked to be a last minute winner and you might have been forgiven for thinking that Croatia would just simply progress they'd completed a 100% record in the groups they were to reunite with Germany move on to the final even but Semi-Senturk he popped up grabbed an equaliser on 122 minutes so far, the latest ever European Championship goal. And then seemingly shell-shocked by this, Luka Modric, Ivan Rakitic, Ivan Perisic, all fairly young players, but would go on to be legends, of course, 10 years later in the World Cup final, all missed their penalties. And it would be Turkey replicating 2002, not Croatia replicating 1998. Could Turkey defeat Germany, could they become the new Greece? We all thought Turkey would be dark horses in uh, 2021, but it wasn't to be. But they definitely were here in 2008. The third quarterfinal succeeded expectations too. Russia took the Netherlands all the way. Ruud van Nistelrooy saved the Dutch's skin late on, equalising Roman Pavlyuchenko's goal in Basel. The great form, the seven goals scored against World Cup finalists in the group, was being translated into nothing more than a draw against a team that got pumped 4-1 off Spain. So the team of the tournament up until then were outdone in the final eight minutes. First Torbinski and then the irrepressible Andre Arshavin with a, a goal that I still see in my nightmares um, from a tight angle scoring, making it 3-1. I wasn't one of those Spain neutrals favourites. My second team has always been the Netherlands, probably because of Euro 2000 when England got knocked out early and I wanted, I needed a team to support because it was one of my first tournaments and I couldn't not support anyone. I, I didn't want France to beat Brazil in the 98 finals. So I couldn't support them. I wasn't too much of a fan of Italy, although looking back, they were probably the next best thing in 2000. But naive seven-year-old me got drawn to the bright orange colours and from then on, Netherlands has been my team who I support when... It, one of the home nations or all of the home nations haven't been knocked out and here it was again and I was distraught obviously here with England not in the tournament I was supporting Netherlands from the off and they let me down again unfortunately Russia would meet the winner of Spain versus Italy Italy hadn't looked fantastic um, Spain as we say were neutrals favourites were probably the favourites outright favourites now and it was goalless only the second goalless match of the tournament which meant penalties both teams hadn't had a great record from 12 yards. Spain even lost to England in 1996 from the spot. So that goes to show how bad they were. But in the shootout, Daniela Di Rossi missed. Antonio Di Natale missed. For Italy, Dan Guiza missed for Spain. But Cesc Fabregas, he had a premonition that he would score the fifth penalty in the shootout. Luis Aragones allowed him to take the fifth penalty. And he dispatched it. Spain were into their first semi-final since 1984. Against a team they had already beaten in Russia as well, 4-1 in the group stages. Would that translate? Who knows? But first, we had another another stormy night in star. We had Germany. We had Turkey. And those who watched um, will remember not watching some parts because 
a freak lightning bolt hit a TV center, cutting the feed off for a good six, seven minutes amid these huge alpine storms that have become quite a feature of of this tournament, which I'm kind of okay with because it's not often that most of the games that is just rain sodden affair, is it really? Obviously, every tournament, I think most tournaments, maybe apart from this one, has its sort of trademark. Although you could say Euro 2020 has a trademark of not having all the fans in the stadium, which isn't really a positive trademark. Neither were the Vuvuzelas in 2010 in South Africa, depending on where you stand on that one, of course. And this one was just for stormy conditions in the Alps. Anyway, so Turkey led early, but Bastian Schweinsteiger, Miroslav Klose, two indomitable German players, had the goals again to overturn that lead. And Klose's goal on 79 minutes, it, we all thought he was going to win the game and it's Germany, it's a semi-final. It's inevitable. But then, as we know from the quarter-final, as we know from Turkey, they just don't lie down. Semi-Sent-Turk again, equalised in the 2008 quarter-final. Equalised again here. But this time, it wasn't It wasn't going to prolong the game. It wasn't going to be extra time. It was definitely wasn't going to be penalties. Because Philip Lamb ventured forward. I think at this point, we might have missed Semi-Sent-Turk's goal. I'm not entirely sure on the six minutes where we lost that. But I remember coming to and Philip Lamb was in the box. And he had... Acres of room, 90th minute, slots it away, Germany, heartbreakingly, were through 3-2 in the, quite possibly one of the most entertaining semi-finals you've ever seen. Alternatively, in Vienna, in the other semi-final, Spain versus Russia, weren't, it was not entertaining by any stretch of the imagination. Spain, in the second half at least, taught Russia a, another lesson, another three-goal win. This time it was 3-0, Xavi getting on the end of a fantastic team move which was probably the highlight of that one and it left a 7-1 aggregate scoreline over the two matches which doesn't tell the whole story for Russia I think Russia expanded all their their energy in the quarter final really with that shocking win over the Dutch and to be fair at the at the end of it when all said and done it probably left the two favourites pre-tournament at least in Germany and Spain alternatively you could look at the Netherlands Russia perhaps as well Portugal maybe as well but Germany Spain it felt like a right semi-final especially after Croatia got beaten by Turkey in the quarterfinals so Germany we'd been burnt by them before by as English as English supporters most were kind of wanting Spain at this point I was I veered over to Spain after the Dutch got beaten I must admit and um the smarter, more seasoned fan probably opted for Germany, knowing the history, knowing they're backing onto a winner here. All the history, all the omens pointed to Germany instead of Spain, despite Spain's better team, better tactics. Germany were in the early days of Yogi Löw here. And they did have a fantastic team, Klose, Podolski, Schweinsteiger, Balak, Lam, to name a few. But in the end, it was Fernando Torres with the winner. Spain ending their 44-year wait with a 1-0 win in Vienna. Spain, who had ended 44 years of waiting, 1964. And had they have to wait another 44 years, they would be waiting a very long time. 19, 2036, it would be. But no, that is completely wrong, isn't it? 20, 20, 2052. Maybe. And my maths is atrocious. Anyway, 
they wouldn't have to wait another 44 years, would they, as they swept home the World Cup, their very first World Cup in 2010 in South Africa. But would they be able to emulate that in 2012? Well, we'll be back on the other side of the semi-finals on Friday morning with that one, covering the European Championships of 2012. Of course, we'll be rushing right through to right through the weekend. We'll be giving you Euro 2016 on Saturday. And we have to talk about Euro 2020 on Sunday morning. The morning of the final, we'll be previewing the final on that one as well. And, of course, reviewing the final. Hopefully that is, from my perspective, an England win in the final at Wembley. We can all dream. But until then, until tomorrow, see there. It's coming home. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.